Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. I'll rip your arm off. Stop worrying about stupid procedures and do pull-ups. This warning about making stuff get crazy. Why are we having this podcast and why is it called the five-point move? I'm frustrated with the way our Greco guys from the United States are treated because they are good athletes, they are good human beings that want to win. we got to help them get that. What I want people to know me from, all of our results for everything comes from Five Point Move. Hello and welcome to episode 53 of the Five Point Move podcast. I'm Tim Hans, founder and senior editor of FivePointMove.com. And co-host Dennis Hall, he's not available. There's a little explanation about that at the end of this episode. In the meantime, we have Northern Michigan University National Training Site Head Assistant Coach, my good, very good, very close friend, Parker Betts. Then we have Jamel Johnson, National Team Member, University World Bronze, people forget, all Marine Team. He will be in the second segment, but first we have Parker, who is and route back to Marquette, Michigan after spent a couple of days hunting, hunting in Minnesota. All right, Parker, Benji Peak had the world championships in September in Belgrade and short turnaround, just about, uh, we'll call it five weeks, I guess we'll call it five weeks. Then there was U23. Now, Benji over the summer just like the rest of the world team, had a very long, very arduous, very challenging training camp. I think probably for him it was uh, a little bit more drastic, if only because there was a period in time when he was in Colorado Springs, kind of just about by himself, and there weren't so many partners for him at one point, and he was kind of getting beat up a little bit. And just so I, I know, look, we all know it wasn't the easiest time in his life. And then he had the Worlds, and he, look, at, I know it didn't go his way, but he wrestled a guy who, if he would have won, would have surprised no one at all. Um, and Robert Frisch from uh, Hungary, and Frisch is fantastic uh, as far as like being a linear, pummeling uh, tactician, we'll say. Uh, it's nothing for Benji to certainly hang his head over, but, you know, obviously disappoint him. And then he comes back to the room. And he's got, you know, a little bit of time to kind of get his mindset for U23. Uh, you're obviously a coach in that room. What was his mind space kind of like leading up to leaving for Spain? Yeah, I think, um, you know, I think he felt more comfortable being back at Northern. 
Uh, like you said, you explained that summer out in Colorado. I think he definitely felt better being back at Northern and training with training with our guys. And you know, him and Bezik, they have very close relationship. They're working on us, and you know, he was he was going the extra mile, doing the extra work, getting ready, getting ready for U twenty threes. Was there any kind of concern just referring to his not his conditioning? Like not his like stamina or something like that. Uh, obviously, he was in fantastic condition that way. But how was his body? You know, he had come back from the surgery, and I love asking you this because I mean, this would be so easy to ask him, but uh, I like asking you. Um, he had come back from surgery in April, and look, it had, uh, went pretty well. He made the world team eventually. Um, but it was a lot on his body ever since April, too. So how was he doing just as so far as his shoulder and just overall uh, physical integrity? Yeah, I think overall he was in pretty good shape. You know, he's, you know, after that summer and he didn't really stop, you know, he's banged up. Obviously, there's stuff here and there and you got to ice stuff and get trainers working on stuff. But, you know, he's, I mean, he fights through anything and, you know, he, he does his best. He doesn't like showing that he's that he's hurt or something's bothering him. And um, I think overall he was in pretty good pretty good shape. Just uh, just the little things that you know, arms, shoulders are sore. Your hands hurting you, and ribs are sore. Stuff like that. So, but he uh, he was getting it all taken care of. So, well, it look it was a. It's a long few months for a lot of these guys. I mean, f- for sure. Like, it's just, I mean, if you draw, draw it back, you know, our season in this country basically began in April. I mean, you can go ahead and say, like, well, there was a winter tour and whatever. And that's, I guess that's kind of nice if you wanted to do that. But the truth of the matter is, is that, our season in this country for virtually 98% of the athlete base began at the Iowa Bill Farrell Memorial. And a few weeks later was the open a few weeks after that, the trials of, uh, you know, a couple of weeks after that final X and then, you know, away we go. And if you were somebody like, let's say even Max Black, you know, it was, you throw the U23 trials in there and the junior stuff and it's just, it's a lot of activity in a really short amount of time. Cause normally, I mean, you would know far better than I, you, we used to have full seasons here. <laughs> you know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Like you could skip something if you really wanted. And yeah, for sure. Just, I don't know, man. It's just a, it's a lot. Is, uh, is Benji, going to be among the group going to New York or is he going to take a little bit of a time out here? Um, you know, I'm, I haven't really spoken to him much about it. I know he's definitely going to want some time off and, you know, let his body recover a little bit and kind of get back into the right, right head space. And, um, you know, but it wouldn't shock me if he does go to New York because he's a competitor and he's a warrior and he wants to win. So it also wouldn't surprise me if, if he's on that trip going. You had a have, I shouldn't say had, but you have a, even though you're a a big guy and I'm about to, well, you know what? Peyton Jacobson isn't exactly a shrimp, but you would throw 
Jonathan and Max Black into the shrimp category. Uh, but you had those three uh, junior world team members. And look, even if the junior worlds didn't yield them a medal, it was still really super important. It's a super important experience for young guys who have aspirations towards much larger things and are have long-term plans to be part of this program. What did the Junior Worlds experience do for Jacobson, Black, and Jonathan Gruley? If you could, you know, summarize it. I, I know that you had mentioned that you thought it had an impact on them. I'm just curious as to what you think that was. Yeah, I think uh, I think the biggest thing I noticed is that when they got back, um, not that their attitudes changed, but it kind of is going a different direction where you know, they got that experience overseas now and they're hungry for it and they want it, want it again. So they're working, they're working even harder than they were last year, which is hard to imagine because they were, they were working their butts off every day, but they, they look, it looks like they have this vision now that they know what they want and they know how to do it. You know, they just got their heads down and they're going forward and just working extra hard every day. You know, they look like, they look like a senior, senior level athlete that's been training for, seven, eight years at this level now, but, you know, they're still young. And, but I think it's great that they all have that vision together now, and I think it's it's going to be great for them going forward. Not to look at I, I know what you look like. Um, I know that, <laughs> yeah. okay, I know that you're not a, my favorite wrestler on the planet probably is Mantis Nystautsis, who, yeah. uh, is what I mean. I think Mantis has got to be six, every bit of six six. Um, I don't know what his he's listed as, but um, but the truth of the matter is this: is that larger larger men tend to have uh, a little bit more challenges when it comes to doing anything even remotely acrobatic. Okay, that's yeah. just how it goes. Yep. Okay, you guys have the advantage when it comes to just power. Okay, like it's just an yeah, everyday yeah. life setting power. Okay. But the little guys have an advantage when it comes to agility and things like that. Yeah, at least usually anyhow. Uh, yeah. Let's talk about backflips for a second. Okay. Okay. Let's talk about them. All right. <laughs> First off, I've long I've long held a theory that now Let's take upper weights out of this for just a second, even though there are some who who can do them or have done them. Yeah. I've long held a theory that the ability to perform a backflip is often an indicator. Indicator. <laughs> an indicator of wrestling success. Okay. Now, yeah. I don't have hard data to back me up on this. It's just my observation through, you know, however many years of being involved with the sports. Like you look at like all these dudes who like win this or win that and they all can do backflips. Yep. It's, it's that yep. simple. Like it's like it's like medalists can all backflip. It feels it feels like anyway. OK. Yeah. All right. Number one. So have you observed the same thing? Like, do you agree with that? Like, it just seems like a common denominator. You don't have yeah, to agree. Sure. Do you agree? No, I do. I do. I think it's uh, 
I think it shows a degree of athleticism for sure. I mean, most people, I mean, even guys in the room, in our room, when we're warming them up and we go, all right, gymnastics time and cartwheels round off, and then we say, all right, hit a backflip, there'll be six or seven guys that just take off from the line and hit backflips, and everyone else is just kind of standing around looking at each other. So, <laughs> I think there's something to it. Like, totally. Yeah. Now, I'm going to read yeah. you, if you wouldn't mind, a text message exchange. And I suppose I'm breaching uh, some level of privacy by doing this, but uh, I'll take the consequences of that if there are any. So, Sick and I were going, uh, no pun intended, uh, back and forth about this yesterday. Yeah. Okay. So... I was talking about your one of your fresh heavyweights, uh, Hustolis. You're saying his name is Jimmy Hustolis? Yep. And I was watching video on him because I, uh, you know, I do that, I tend to do that when there's a tour coming up and there's, you know, maybe I've seen a wrestler once or twice, but, uh, you know, can't really gauge who they are, what their style looks like and stuff like that and so i was watching him i was like oh yeah i remember watching him back in the spring and i was like oh yeah he's gonna he's a good athlete good heavyweight yeah and so b6 talking him up to me via text and uh he says uh who stole us can backflip now and so i texted b6 wow that's the key it's like a common denominator for success in many cases I'm thinking it's a combination of wait, I go I go like this, I go, can you do a backflip? Anyway. Because <laughs> I said it's a, like a large percentage of medalists can backflip. But why? Can you do a backflip? And then I said, I'm thinking it's a combination of leg strength, balance, coordination, and confidence why people can backflip. Those are important qualities, I bet, for this sport. First off, B6 initial reply is yes I can. Um <laughs> <laughs> So I put, see what I mean? And then he goes, uh, Ryu Brown also just got it. He's been working on it before and after most practices. I said, it's not easy. I don't think, uh, it's not easy, I don't think. And the older you get, I think it becomes exponentially harder. Uh, right off the bat, leg power, equal, you know, explosion. You also have to whip your body into an arch. Have the coordination necessary to control landing and the confidence that you can pull all of these actions off seamlessly. Now, Beastick goes and disagrees with me because, I mean, he has to do that. And um, he says, it's definitely tougher now than when I was training. He goes, I see. I don't think it's as much of a whip to back arch. It's a jump as high as you can at the top, tilting your head back and pulling your knees to your chest grabbing your knees or shins to stay tight yeah now you see so what did i wait what did i say back to him i put well if you're going to describe it that way then screw that it's like a psychotic thing to even try (laughs) (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah man it's it's pretty sweet that uh a lot of those guys are uh practicing they want to get it down they've been practicing before and after practice, trying to hit backflips on the crash pads and stuff. So I won't say any names, but some guys are getting it, and then there's some that are still scaring me every time I watch them. So, you know, it's getting makes me nervous sometimes when they land, but they're uh, they're practicing. 
Well, look, I thought a backflip was something you just discovered you could do. Like, yeah. That's what I thought. Um, I think I think that still plays a role in it a little bit. I think it goes back to that confidence thing you were saying. Like, I don't know if I can do this, but if you have the confidence in yourself and then all of a sudden one day you hit one, it's like, oh, I can do it. Like, now I get it, so... I used to almost, this is true, okay? And I'm not bragging, because I, I can't do it now anyway, but... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Well, I shouldn't say that. That's not fair. Maybe I can. I haven't tried in 100 years. But I used to come super close to being able to touch a rim on a, you know, on a backboard, basketball. Okay? Okay. So that's not terrible at 5'4". You know? Like, yeah. And I used to... Like when I was younger and, you know, like in practices and training and stuff like that, like I I always used to do this thing where like if I were doing like hard stuff, like not hard stuff, but if I were doing sprints and suffer hard uh, anaerobic uh, training, I would always cap what I was doing with like a set of like jumps as high as I could possibly do it, not reaching for anything. I would just do it just for the explosion aspect. And I had a guy tell me that a trainer tell me that since I could jump so high, that that's number one, why my legs are strong. Number two, why I can sprint pretty well. I mean, this is look at this a while ago. I can't sprint well now, but like, ha 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 ha. And (laughs) anyway, and it was like, well, I put two and two together, and I was like, you know what? I never backflipped. I never even tried because I just figured it was something I probably couldn't do. Um, yeah. I figured you. I was by the time I realized that like that might have been something I was able to do. I just felt like I was probably too old because I figured you need to learn how to backflip when you're seven years old, eight years old, and if you can't do it by then, you can't do it. But yeah, I guess the the other side to that coin is like I look like you look at Dennis Hall. He used to, I mean, he didn't do it often, but like, you know, well, there was one time he beat Grunewald in the national final. He did a backflip, you know? Yeah. And it was like, dude, his anger, like, is what carried his body in that position. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, it's not something he probably practiced, you know? And like, plus yeah. his legs are, you know, for a little guy were jacked and powerful and like, I don't know, but Besick describing it that way is like, like all technical. And, oh, yeah. And it's like, really? Like, if, you, if you're if you going to put that many moving parts to it, like, I don't know if it's worth it. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <sighs> Whatever. I just, dude, I totally serious. I think it does mean something. Like, if somebody can do it, like, I, I do. I, I honestly believe it means something. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong and I'm over, like, overdoing it, but I think if somebody can I back think, it, uh, it means something. Yeah, my second year at Northern is when I finally got it down. I I could hit them my second year. That's that's when the weight class was still 120 kilos though, and when it went up to 130 kilos, and I got up 
close around there, I wasn't able to do it anymore. So, <laughs> but I had uh, I had my time. So, so you at one point were able to do a backflip. Yeah. Yep. There you go. I, I couldn't I couldn't do the round off part to it that the, these guys do. I would just kind of squat down in the mat and then kind of just launch from there, go up and do uh do the tuck. Wait, wait, wait. What do you mean round off? I know what a round off is, but what do you mean like like I'm when I picture a backflip, I picture you know, somebody like whatever, if they got a corkscrew up, but nevertheless, like I'm picturing them backflipping and landing, you know, back on their feet. What are you talking about rounding off? We do it kind of like a forget progression. So we'll do the cartwheel and then we'll do the round off. And then for the back, for the round off backflip, guys will take off running. And then about halfway down the wrestling room, they'll hit a round off. And when they come off of that round off, they're high enough in the air that that's when they hit their backflip. So they have the, the air and the momentum. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. Okay, I can picture. Okay, so you're talking that the yeah. round off precedes the backflip. Yep. Okay. Yep. All right. Well, looking interesting. Um, this kid Jimmy Hustolis, he is yep. one of the athletes uh, whom you'll be accompanying to Sweden next. Uh, I think you're leaving Saturday. Yeah, 29th October. Yep, we're leaving next Saturday. Okay. This coming Saturday. Well, we're putting out a piece on the Sweden trip uh, rather eminently, but I have here, uh, let's see here, Charlie Dill, who I'm familiar with from uh, Ussolini, yep. uh, Ryu Brown, Mason Bray, Jimmy Stolis, uh, Jackson Bearden, and that's, yeah, that's your group, right? Those are the five athletes? Yeah. Okay. Uh well, here, look at your northern Michigan does not have defined roles as far as you're not the upper weight coach. You are, in fact, the head assistant coach. Um, so you work with everybody. But since you are a heavyweight, you obviously spend more time with the upper weights as far as when you're we talk about wrestling with people in practice. Uh, does Jimmy Hustolis, hey, he's a pretty, pretty, pretty good prospect. He's, uh, I think he was a state champ or so in high school and he's obviously wrestled Greco age group a bit and all that. What have you liked about him so far? Yeah. Um, I think, you know, he's got a great attitude, you know, he's a hard worker, um, and he always brings a good attitude to practice and he's always willing to learn and, you know, he's, let's, Let's me wrestle with them all the time, even though I can be rough on him sometimes, but he likes that. You know, he's, like you said, he's an athlete, man. When we do our morning runs, he's he's keeping up with the lighter weights, which is, you don't see that very often with the heavyweight, but he's probably, I don't know how tall he is, 6'4", maybe, 6'3", six, 6'4". Six, he's a tall guy, and he can run with them and do backflips now, and he's an athlete. You know, I'm going to keep wrestling with him. we just got little things that we got to fix, so... You know, it's promising. You know, we don't got to start from scratch or anything like that. Just got to keep working with him and see see where we can go. He's 18? Yeah, yep. So, not that it's important. Look, at this trip is not about how many medals we bring back necessarily, even though I do anticipate several performing performing well at the uh, Mallorcoopin and uh, the uh, subsequent duel. But also, like, developmentally, I think it's – not. I don't think. I mean, objectively, it's extremely important 
we don't have enough of these opportunities and the fact that we have this one back is like absolutely vital. You were in this position yourself at one point earlier in your life, you know, where you were getting a taste of these trips and so on for you. What did this kind of tour, these trips to Sweden mean to you? Well, not just Sweden, but really anywhere. But since we're talking about Sweden, that's kind of where I'm hitting. Yeah, I think, uh, the, the traveling international stuff was huge. I mean, for all the guys, especially, you know, when it's one of your first trips overseas and, you know, you're going with your friends over there and that you're experiencing all this new stuff for the first time. And you're going through just a brutal, it's usually a brutal travel schedule to get there, but, you know, you're doing it together and then you get there and get to wrestle the foreigners and get to see different places that they have and different workout facilities and how they run stuff. And, just the whole experience in general is pretty sweet. I know when I went to Sweden my first year, or the year I went, um, we the team slept in like a basement of the school, like in the classroom. And it's just like, man, looking back, it was just wild thinking that we did that. It's like I don't think we'd be doing that these days, but uh, it, it was pretty sweet to experience that with people and the camaraderie you get from from doing that. What about we talk about this all the time? But there's the nuance, there's the different feel. I think a little bit of that is balanced out more at heavyweight, probably, in the upper weights. But still, they they do operate differently over there. When you first had your like initial taste overseas, did the way foreigners wrestled like catch you off guard at all? Um. I don't know. I would say it, it didn't catch me off guard, but they. Oh uh, well, yeah. They you, was, that's a cheap. So, that's a so cheap thing to ask you because you had a brother. You have a brother who was an Olympian, yeah. so you already knew. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of, I kind of understood how they wrestled, and, you know, their style and all that stuff. But you know, it's still, still a big adjustment that you once you feel it, it's like, all right, well now I, now I actually know. So. But I had a pretty good feeling going into it. Parker, I mean, we make a big deal out of these things. We totally do. Some might think we overvalue it. I think that that's been a kind of an opinion a little bit more or less uh, over the last couple of years, I would say. It's like, well, you know what? Are we putting too much stock into like not too much uh, competition against foreigners, but more so is it too much of a focus on what we're not doing correctly instead of maybe not giving ourselves enough credit and spaces for what we do have as strengths. And I think there's probably something to be said for that. I think we're better than we give ourselves credit for. And we do not, I don't think we tailor our strengths around. I don't think we tailor our training around what are built in strengths. I think we assume going into Greco Roman that we do everything wrong and thereby have to throw out the entire playbook. And I'm not sure that's a recipe for success anymore. I'm just not. I think, I uh, think there's, you know, study long, you study wrong. And I think that we've reached, and I've said this before a lot. <laughs> Whenever somebody says that, it's just so, like full of hubris. I mean, oh, I've said it before. It's like yeah, nobody cared the first time you said it, buddy. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but just for me, I think 
I think there is sometimes too much of a tilt in that direction, if only because we have athletes, young athletes who are so, so focused and on uh, doing every little new position, like learning new position and, and demonstrating that in competition. And I think they're afraid to do something wrong and they just, it kind of catches them in between to where I think it stymies their natural competitiveness. Does that make sense to you? Like if I'm wrestling you yeah. and we're just pummeling around and it's like, well, is my foot in the right position? Is my hip, is my, are my hips in a good spot? Like how's the grip on my underhook? Am I too shallow? It's like, well, like all those could be true, but that doesn't take away your ability to fight. And I think that yeah. developmentally, in some cases, we can lose our ability to fight because we're just so focused on technique. And I think this over-concentration on foreign training could sometimes play into that. That's just my observation. I'm not saying these things are objective facts. Just it's how I see it. No, I agree. I think, um, you know, I kind of think the same thing that, you know, it's obviously it is a very technical sport, but it's still wrestling. And wrestling at its core is a dog fight. And you got to be ready to fight. And because whoever you're wrestling, they're coming on the mat to fight you. So, you got to be ready for that, you know, use technique you have, but you can't just, that's the only thing I'm going to worry about. You just got to wrestle, man, you know? That's how I say it. I, I just totally do. It's why I think that there's an oversell on getting youth athletes over to Greco earlier. Not that we can't use them. We absolutely need as many youth wrestlers to come over to Greco earlier as possible, but I think that if you're going to go and make a big push to get all of these younger high school age athletes over to Greco, I'm not talking going to Northern. I'm talking, you know, like uh, like a good recent example would be uh, someone like uh, Jacobson even, who when he was in high school for a minute there anyway, he was able to wrestle in a full-time Greco environment uh, at uh, Burlington Central Catholic High School. And we've had others who have, I mean, look at Austin, got to come over early and, you yep. know, we've seen that. But like what I'm talking about is if we were to have some kind of movement where all of these 16 and 17 year olds could wrestle Greco full time. Well, if you're going to go ahead and make that a big push, then you've got to be able to provide them with a competitive outlet because just telling them, hey, you yeah. can go overseas three times this year is not enough. Like it's it's oh, not sure. enough. You don't tell a wrestler in the United States of America who's used to getting like 95 matches a year that, hey, you can wrestle Greco full time, but you're only going to get like 20 to 30 matches a year. Like that's not, yeah, yeah. you know, unless you're going to sell them on the value of less competition, more training, which probably is the right move. But I don't know. Whatever. I'm not going to solve the problem right now. So uh, maybe you can. I don't know. I think it's it's going to take a lot of minds to, to solve that one. Uh, can you come up with a more diplomatic answer? Probably not. Um, probably not. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, Parker, it's I guess we're 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 just about a full year into your uh, coaching at Northern Michigan. Dream job. It's the phrase. Yep. Dream job. If you had to. Summarize year one. Okay, I'm not, I don't mean to put pressure on you, but you know, saying so. Yeah, right? no. so I don't like. I know that you internalize these things, 
Um, but if you could, like, if you had to put put it into like a like a box and unpack it, you know, how was your one for you? Um, I think I would just I would describe it as awesome, and I think not only being back up there and being back in the room, and you know, I spent a lot of time of my life in, in that town in that area. We're back and practices were great. You know, it was it was a long time before before we actually got to a competition, actually going out and coaching and stuff. But once it started, and like you said, everything was kind of back-to-back there. You know, it was a blast, and it just went by so fast because we were traveling so much. And, you know, it's just awesome coaching these guys out. Matt just gives you a, gives you a rush. You know, guys like Aiden Nutter who almost gives me a heart attack every time he wrestles. And, you know, I tell him that. We, we have a good laugh. But, uh, you know, it, it's been a blast. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, Lil. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. All right, and continuing on with yet another Five Point Move podcast demonstration of friendship, apparently. I'm joined now by 2019 World Team Trials champion, Final X runner-up, U.S. National Team member, Pan Am Championships gold medalist, of course, 2021, All-Marine Wrestling Team, yep, we're still saying All-Marine Wrestling Team, none other than Captain Jamel Johnson. I'm going to go ahead and guess that you've been paying attention to what's going on, so you, you know that they are going to be hiring for a resident coach for the Olympic Training Center, and uh, we don't really quite know 100% exactly how those roles will be defined as far as national coach, if only because, you know, Yvonne is the general manager, but he's... I mean, he's essentially the national team coach, too. Yeah. But I'm going to guess since you know that these two jobs, well, really, we're talking national team job, if we're going to be honest about it. Knowing that that's out there, have you thought about Lukitas? Yeah. I mean, he's, he's always the thought, you know, it's like, man, like what he could do with those type of resources and you know, those connections and pulls and stuff, being in that position, obviously everyone has seen what he can do with very little and the type of results that he can produce with, uh, you know, just somebody who's willing to commit just as much as he is. But I really just don't, I don't know. I don't, I don't see him really 
going for that position, I guess, seeing where he's at, like, I like, I mean, two cut programs, uh, UNCG, we're on the up and coming, we're doing great, and then and we got a few taken out in front, uh, from under, and then uh, he repositions, he readjusts, and he goes Marine Corps coach, on the up and up as well again, and, you know, that kind of gets <laughs> the same type of deal. Jamel, it would be really quite something if – Jason became the national team coach, and that happened to coincide with the exact era where USA Wrestling finally says we don't want it anymore. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, that would be something. That would be something. That would be Lukitas. Like, <laughs> it seems to be our luck, you know? It just seems to be. I was with him in both, both times, me and Terrence. Uh, we're the only two individuals that was actually with them for both of those uh, decisions that were made, which I'm not gonna lie, man, it's kind of like, kind of hurts. Even though my career is kind of like phasing out, obviously, I'm, I'm old, I can't train. I wouldn't say I'm old, whatever. Yeah, That's it's more that you can't train, Jamel. Let's not like go. Yeah, it's more that I can train. If I could train, I would train. But um, yeah, it's, it is hard to deal with. I will say that, man. It was <laughs> It is hard to deal with. I can understand the Marine Corps' uh, decision because of everything that's going on, but the UNCG decision, that one, that was really hurt. I mean, they broke it to us, like, right before Nationals. <laughs> yeah, that's how it happens. Yeah. But, I mean, no, I don't – after going through that twice, I don't, I don't think he's really interested. <laughs> Well, you know what I was thinking about with him is that like he's got his he's got his he's got his kids um, and he is not uh, from that part of the country, uh, Colorado, I'm, I'm talking about. And it's like the one thing is, is that the timing of this is like really so awful because Colorado real estate it has exploded just like it has on the East coast and everything else. And like, it's like, okay, so the USA wrestling national team job, we're going to say is 120 K a year. I think that's, I mean, that's what it was. So let's say it's 120 K and you're Lukitas who's, you know, around about 50. Right. Yeah. It's like, okay, you're going to uproot for 120k 120k and you know a lot of other regions in the country isn't chump change that's darn good money but 120k to move to colorado right now where the average price of a home is in the 500s at least in the general vicinity of where you'd want to live to coach and run practices at the otc i don't know if this is worth the squeeze so and 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 even like the uprooting the whole family deal, like yes, is good money, but also, too, you're talking about, um, you know, the hardship that's going to put on your kids, the hardship that's going to put on your wife, uh, all that that goes into it. Your kids are going to be upset because they got to go to new schools, make new friends. Your wife has to find a job, you know, and then you have that conversation of, uh, you know, why is this more important? My job type of deal, and it's just. Yeah, and I just don't think – I wouldn't even think from that point, like, 
it just wouldn't be worth it, you know. Money, good money or no good money, it's just it's just not worth it. And plus, the hardship that he's already been through. Like I said, UNCG, uh, the Marine Corps coaching job, uh, both got taken away. Uh, and obviously, it wasn't it wasn't based off of the results that he produced. Obviously, <laughs> it was just the circumstances. You know, for UNCG, it was uh, you know they just wanted to go into a different round. They wanted to focus more on basketball. Uh, with the Marine Corps, obviously, force for design, uh, the way the Marine Corps is escaping, you're getting rid of uh, warfighters, you know, tanks, artillery. Uh, it's hard for those guys you know, higher up to say that, you know, this pot of money is for wrestlers. You know, if warfighters are getting cut, you know, extracurriculars extra are going to get cut as well. You know what, Jamel, though? It's like, okay. The budget is where I kind of fall apart on the whole thing, because we're the Lukitas era at Lejeune is like you guys traveled more than the national team, okay, pretty much. And well, I mean, let's ignore the fact that a bunch of you were on national team, but that notwithstanding, why can't the Marine team still exist? just without that kind of budget. Like, why can't you just still have a wrestling room and practices? And it's like, okay, guys, well, here's the, here's what's going to happen now. They're basically slashing our budget, okay? We're still going to be able to have practices, maybe not the same exact frequency or whatever, but we can still be able to have practices and function like a wrestling team. And the only difference is, is that you're not going to Zagreb Okay, the only way you're going to Zagreb or any other ranking series or winter tour or whatever it is, the only way you're going is if you have that PTO available and it's on your own time and you can somehow either fashion a trip together with a couple of yous or you're on national team and just the schedule syncs up. But other than that, maybe nationals, maybe world team trials. Like, I still don't understand that part of it. Like, I, I get I get. The, the budgetary concerns with regards to actual military uh, assets and training and so on and justifying expenditures. But to me, it just the, way, the fuzziness for me is like, OK, well, I know that the, the Marines during, uh, well, let's just call it your era, too, because you, you came shortly after Lakitas got there. But like, let's just call it what it is, is that like. If you had it more, it's not the Army where WCAP is a recognized unit. It's almost like, I think, in your piece last year, where after you won Pan Ams, I was like, I remember in your intro, I wrote how, like, you know, there's a misunderstanding. People think the Marines are just like WCAP. It's like, no, 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 no. The Marines all have actual, like, on-post responsibilities, and in that sense, the Marine team functions kind of like an intramural uh, endeavor. And it's yeah. like, well, can't we just go back to something that's a little, that's not quite informal necessarily, but isn't just, isn't the, like the high level experience it was, you know, as recently as two years ago. That's the part I don't get. Well, like you could have just kept it, just, just maybe can't do quite as much. Yeah, I mean... Technically speaking, I mean, we still have 
uh, practices. We have a couple of lieutenants who still hold practices uh, Tuesdays and Thursdays. Um, I know it's not much, <laughs> two days out of the week, but we're trying to keep it alive as best as possible. And I mean, I, I hear you. I hear you. you're pro wrestling. Obviously, you're pro wrestling. You know, your intent about the Marine Corps wrestling team sticking around is about keeping wrestling robust, obviously. But, I mean, this is a Marine Corps, man. <laughs> yeah, the Marine Corps wants to keep the Marine Corps robust. Yes, yes. And I still wrestle. Like, you know, you got Courtney Freeman. He's still wrestling. Him and I both, uh, were the last that are still wrestling and I think he's going to continue to uh, chase it a little bit harder than I am I'm, I'm kind of like falling back from it you know slowly but surely it's just kind of like inevitable for me but <laughs> I can't let it go oh, I can't stand when you talk like that man I just I can't even stand it I mean, it is what it is trust me I've had I've had some tough ones man I definitely had some tough ones especially uh you know, my last tournament was World Team Trials. I just got back from Norway. Jamel, I'm no practice. <laughs> no practice. And, like, you still looked really pretty good. Uh, decent. Uh, decent. But what hurt the most is that, you know, you get to that, what is it, World Team Trials. I got to uh, the bronze medal match, you know, top three. And, you know, I dropped the ball. I didn't win the match. And, I got fourth at World Team Trials. But what really did it for me, like what really messed with me was, you know, yeah, I was down in points, but then that last 30 seconds, I was just like, yeah, like anything's possible. Like I can still possibly pin this guy within the last 30 seconds. And I was like, yo, let's try to see if we can make this happen. And I got him on his back, man. I got him on his back, but I couldn't uh, get him close enough to touch both shoulders. And that being that close always hurt, you know, more. Like if I was just lost by points, you know, seven to two, whatever, like, oh, you know, you know, he outdid me. But being that close of getting the pin and having that comeback, uh, that just like kind of like hit at my soul for a while. But I'm I'm over it now. But it's still, I still want to wrestle. Well, can let me ask you a question. If you had a training situation that was the same or similar to pre-2021 dissolution of the Marine team as we knew it, right? Where you have Xavier and Bunker and Walsh and, you know, everything's normal, quote-unquote. Do you think that you would have performed better in your competitive experiences this past spring? Okay, so if your answer is 100%, which I automatically figured it would be, then to me it doesn't – I don't like to look at it like, oh, you know, I'm phasing out and I'm this and that. It's like, well, look, this is where you're at right now. Like, we don't know if it's going to change or not. This is just where we're at right now and make the best of what we've got, and then if something changes, great. But, like – I just, I don't like the idea of the, uh, I don't like the idea of like presuming that the door needs to be closing 
necessarily either because you keep bringing up like I understand you're not 23 anymore and that's fantastic but like I don't like the idea of closing a door on something because what if and hear me out for a second what if something does change I mean you never know what that might mean or what it might look like but the end result being that you get to participate in this sport at an adequate level again, right? Well, here's my thing. We've had a couple of athletes over the past, this season, one of whom uh, was on the world team, who wanted to retire, okay? And maybe there was good reason for it, and maybe there wasn't. But one of these athletes came and talked to me about it and all this other stuff and whatever. And, you know, I never like, obviously, like I never like to see anybody walk away. I just don't. I have an attachment to it. And I don't know. I'm never like, oh, man, this guy needs to stop. Like, it's not I've never had that attitude about anybody. But in this case, in our sport, it's actually, you know, specifically our style in this country. It's like it's really difficult. It's really difficult to walk away and then, you know, maybe have a change of heart a year, year and a half or two later. And then circumstances have changed and we can do this again now. And then try to flip that switch back on because I've seen it before and the guys who walk away. And then come back, be it a year, 18 months, two years. They think because they feel good and they're practicing again and maybe practices are going kind of well that like they've caught back up to where they were. And it's like that's not how it works. Like the window is narrow. Sure. But more than anything else, it's really hard to stay in the thick of things, because in our country, and we're not a powerhouse by any stretch, but in our country, with the way some of these guys develop, guys get passed by in that short amount of time. Guys who a wrestler might have been neck and neck with are all of a sudden, you know, can't beat them anymore. Can't beat them. You know, like, and it's it's why? Well, because they figured they were done because of whatever the reason was or what they wanted the reason to be. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. And then they come back a year, two years later, like I keep saying. And they look the same like as far as physically and they're in superb shape. 
but everything's off. And the guys who like never stopped, never stopped competing and just kept plugging away, they've passed them in the race. That's why I don't like to say like, okay, yeah, like, you know, because you don't know what's going to happen. You know what I'm saying? Like the only way to be ready is to stay ready. Yeah, and I feel you. And uh, I want to tell you, but I kind of want to wait till you know it all well, you happens. Can just text me. I mean, uh, if you don't want it to be for <laughs> consumption. Yeah, it's just well, I got to see this thing through first. You know, I got to see this thing through and see what happens with it. But I, I am training. I'm training and. I'm reminding myself weekly, weekly that uh, wrestling is hard. Uh, there's other things in life that are also hard, and doing those things keeps me in that mindset. And to be honest with you, uh, ever since I made the decision that I was going to do this thing, uh, it's helped my mental health uh, tremendously. Like, yeah, you know, my knees hurt, my back hurts, uh, doing all this uh new stuff and i agree with you i agree with you and like the way my plan is going to go uh hopefully if everything goes as planned i will be free in time to compete for uh what is it compete for the marine corps at the u.s open in april uh god and everything goes as planned and uh training goes well but I'm staying. I'm staying familiar, and that, that's one thing that uh, Kitas used to always say. You know, the guys come away or go away, and then they forget that wrestling's hard. And not the ones that come and compete; it's just the ones that you talk to about. Like, oh man, all you had to do was this, or all you had to do is that, and this and that. And he's like, those type of guys, they forget that freaking wrestling is hard. <laughs> they forget you, you stop. You stop remembering how bad your chest hurt or how bad your legs burn or how bad your throat was like burning from just cutting weight in your first match and you went out there and so you know that feeling or I'm pretty sure you can remember that feeling and you've talked to the guys who are still wrestling that feeling you get in your throat. Yeah, and it's just I'm I'm staying familiar with it. I I would say that much. I'm staying very familiar with it. And it's keeping me uh, in a good headspace, and if I do get this job, I'll be super happy. I'll still compete for uh, the Marine Corps at the U.S. Open, and you know, kind of like let it fly and see what happens. But no, I I agree with you, everything you're saying, and I'm doing my best right now to stay in that space, stay in that space of being uncomfortable and understanding that. Yeah, is hard. <laughs> Life is hard. <laughs> You know what, dude? That that's a good point though, because like it it is not the it is definitely not the kind of thing. Like here, when Hall was getting ready to come back for the 2012 Olympic trials, I remember um, you know by that point he hadn't wrestled since '04, and you know, and he was he was saying like, oh, like you know. Like, the body doesn't forget how to wrestle. And that's, like, definitely true. You know, the body doesn't forget yeah. how to wrestle. Yeah, and I agree with that. Yeah, that's, it's true. And The you know, mind. Well, 
your body might not forget how to wrestle, but like I think I think you kind of need to like remember what it feels like to like be debilitated. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, true. Like it's like I didn't forget how to wrestle, and I'm one of those you know wrestler types who. Like, even though I haven't wrestled a match in, you know, a long time, like, sometimes in my head, I'll be like, I bet if I, like, practice, I'm better now than I ever was, like, coming out of college and stuff. Like, you think stuff like that when you, you know, when you're me, when you're somebody who hasn't wrestled in, like, quite a while. Like, you're like, oh, you know, I've absorbed so much, I'd be such a better student of the game, and, like, I'm, I see stuff now that I didn't see at the time, and blah, 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 blah. Yeah, but, like, even if... Like somebody who's like like an ex wrestler type and he's an older guy now and he's married and blah blah. It's like, dude, you can go to practice and you could do sprints up hills and everything else and like convince yourself that like you're in some like amazing shape and whatever, but when a whistle blows and the other guy is literally trying to kill you for the first fifteen seconds, like and you're not used to that shock anymore. Yeah. Like that's that might- yeah, that's different, man. It is. So I, different. I I definitely agree. And this one, uh, so at UNCV, we had this uh, sports psychologist uh, that really helped us uh, a lot. And, I mean, it was up to you to, you know, take him up on his offer or whatever. But we did, like, a lot of visualizations. I remember, it, like, in the, in, like, this dark room, and I would just, talk through like my arm throw or this or that or or not my arm throw sorry I'm thinking of Greco uh my shot like my single my double you know what am I going to do on bottom what am I going to do here and I agree like that's only going to get you but so far and I try to imagine that feeling because like you said it's the fight that that makes your heart race you know, it's the fight that is like, all right, we're about to go at it. And you don't know what muscles you're about to use. You know, it's that adaptation of what the heck, you know. But it is definitely hard to duplicate that without actually doing wrestling. <laughs> but I'm hoping, I'm hoping that, you know, with the training that I'm doing and I, I stay relevant in that mindset and, you know, I stay present there and I keep taking myself there mentally as many times as I can. Of course, sometimes I'm going to have to get the map, but I'm hoping that mentally and physically I can kind of create that thing for myself and stay there. To be honest with you, I just need to be healthy. As long as I'm healthy and I am uh, healthy, not injured, come April, the sky's the limit. And even if I am injured, I mean, I've wrestled injured. Yeah, you've wrestled injured enough times to where I think it's kind of old hat for you. Yeah. I mean, I just got to be physically able, to be honest with you. Physically able. And I'm hoping. But I will say, I know you don't want to hear it, but next year, if I don't make, yeah, next year is my last rodeo. Next year is my last rodeo. Okay, well, that's a natural thing to say because next year is the Olympic year. So <laughs> that's a natural thing for you to say. I, I No, next year is the Olympic No, it's 2023. 
So you're talking 2023 is your last year. Yeah, yeah. This upcoming season, yeah, this is it for me. Okay, well, you're right. Well, you know that sounds ridiculous, right? Because it's the Olympic year. <laughs> well, I got to well, if my other plan works out, man, I, I, yeah, I'm. There's no way I'm going to be wrestling, doing that stuff. You know what, man? <laughs> See, this is my fault because, like, I haven't talked to you just as friends in a while. So, like, this is obviously something that you would probably tell me privately. I would think. And yeah, yeah. I the definitely. fact that you're saying it here, all cryptically is driving me so crazy. Like mentally, right now, I can't even tell you. <laughs> I know, usually, but it's, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, well, we'll cover it. Uh, we'll cover it. Um, before I forget, uh, what do you think of the Worlds? Oh, man. Just go ahead, Jamel. I mean, we're talking, so, I mean, just give me your perspectives. I was very very, very proud of Max Nowry. Yep. Man, he wrestled. You know, obviously, I'm pretty sure he didn't get the results that he wanted. He didn't get a medal. And, of course, that hurts. But, Max, if you listen to this podcast, you freaking wrestled phenomenally. And, obviously, he's not done. He's going to keep coming back. Uh and he's getting closer every year and watching him get closer every year. And also, every year he gets older, and I think that's a statement. You know, that's a statement that, you know, if if you keep your body there, you can still compete, you know. And sometimes a lot of wrestlers, you know, we get to a certain age and we're like, oh, I'm wrestling years, you know, I'm 95 or whatever. And Burles has shown everyone that, Yo, if you if you can do it, if you stay healthy, you can keep wrestling. You know, have that fight, and along with staying healthy and having a fight. But Max is very, I love seeing him. I watched every single match live. I was yelling in the house. Uh, he did a good job. You know, he was mangled, right? Huh? Max was mangled going into that tournament. Like he was mangled. Like he he's not gonna look it. He's not gonna go and like talk about it. Like if I I could call him and put him on this show and he'll completely talk around it and then get pissed at me later or something. But like he was um, <laughs> he was mangled going into that. He got he had wrist surgery right like when camp started. That's not something he wanted advertised. And then he uh, uh, injured his elbow uh, really badly. And uh, that needs to be corrected. And he went into the worlds with all that. Um, in his first match versus India, he had landed on it awkwardly. I've been watching Max wrestle for 14, 15 years now, and I've never seen him emote in the middle of a match ever. Like, at, at least not as far as pain is concerned like that. And um, he was practically screaming. And, uh, they, you know, they had to, if you saw the match, which you did, like, I mean, he had to get time out and then, you know, he wound up getting his elbow wrapped later and whatever, but, um, it affected the way he wrestled quite a great deal. But in a way, I almost wonder if it helped him because 
I expected his match with Germany to be awesome. I totally did. I figured Max would win. Um, but him versus Germany is kind of like this, like it's, I wouldn't even call it a rivalry, but it's kind of like a rivalry. And so it goes back to the 18 Germany Grand Prix it was hilarious. Max like put his hands behind his back against that guy and was like, you know, hen pecking him to be a punk. Anyway, um, <laughs> I thought that match was going to be a good match. I, I thought it would go six minutes at least. And the fact that Max saw a reverse half after turning him makes me wonder if his elbow being jacked up made that a necessity. Like, I, I think, like, if you're as in just in a Greco Roman context, coming off a turn that leads to a scramble like that, where the guy kind of fishes out, like, I don't even, I think in a Greco Roman mindset, you're not even thinking that so much. You no. know? And I just, I wonder if his elbow, whatever. But anyway, I th- if that was actually an advantage in that one sense. But no, Max was banged. I mean, the whole team was banged up badly. The whole team was banged up badly. I mean, that's not something anybody's really talking about. Um, but the whole team was, I mean, virtually. Um, and Lucas used to always say this, too, uh, because, what was it? The NYAC tournament while I wrestled uh, Tiger, the Egyptian. Yeah. Um, in the finals. I mean, that tournament, uh, at first I wasn't going to wrestle because, you know, I hurt my neck pretty bad. I could barely like turn my head. And I remember talking to Lucidas and I was like, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. If I was like, I should wrestle. He's like, feeling, I was like, I'm freaking terrified. He was like, that's Wait, didn't great. you wrestle Tiger and Schultz? Dave Schultz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, it was in Colorado. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it was the Schultz. It was the Schultz in Colorado. And I remember I didn't want to wrestle because my neck was pretty bad. And obviously, you know, I'm an arm thrower and, you know, it's a lot of bear on your neck. And I hadn't even, like, done an actual move <laughs> in, like, a week and a half. Like, all I did was pummel it the entire, like, uh, week and a half going into that tournament because I couldn't I couldn't do an arm throw I couldn't attack I could barely drag like so we just stayed we stayed in the fight about pummeling every single day and you know Parker is a hell of a puzzler yeah so, uh, helped him with the trials yeah we had a lot of a lot of practice and I remember Lupita said he was like how are you feeling I was like I'm, I'm a little scared about it and he was like that's probably really good and I was like what do you, what do you mean he was like, because you're going to be heightened. You're going to be ready. Like, you should be ready, right? You got to protect your neck. And I was like, yeah, from getting hurt. And he was like, ah, you got to throw that out the window. And I was like, throw it out the window. He was like, yeah, <laughs> like, I just protect your neck and freaking wrestle and be a man. He was like, you'll take care of everything else. And I, later on, you know, after wrestling, and I kind of, like, let go. And I was like, all right, all right, let's see how it goes. But I think having that heightened sense of like you're you're obviously you're fighting but at the same time you're trying to protect something you're like you're super aware and like you don't second guess as much because at least for me it was like hey this gotta this this has gotta happen you know versus like whenever you're healthy sometimes you have so much left and right lateral limits of like what you think you do what you can't do restricted harder it's kind of like you know being back in the corner with your injury you got to fight out of that corner. And that's probably what Max did. Into it. He was like, 
man, this is it. And it's the world, you know, he's off after this, so he can tear his body to pieces if need be. If he gets to, you know, down look his home. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No That's a good point. Right. Like, there is no tomorrow. I mean, tomorrow's not till April or maybe February. Maybe. That's a good point. Um, yeah, so let it go. <laughs> well, yeah, I, well, I think that considering the circumstances, I thought the I thought the team performed pretty well. Um, I totally did. Uh, I really. I think that. I think it was tough. I think they were in a very strange kind of situation. I mean. USA Wrestling decided it was a good idea to let the national team coach go with two months before the Worlds, which is tantamount to a football team firing its head coach a week before the playoffs. Yeah, that's basically what it is. And then you bring in Yvonne, who institutes a completely different system and way of doing things. And I'm not saying that's bad by any stretch because maybe it's not i have no idea but like the timing of it was just ridiculous and the other part of it is also that the some guys on the team felt as though the organization did not care about this particular world team that's what they felt because of the turning timmy greco has been feeling like this For years, <laughs> for years. Well, that's, like, no, no. I mean, look at the ostracization factor is real. But what they figured was, look, you guys obviously don't care how we perform in Serbia because if you cared, we wouldn't have to completely change everything around now. And I agree with that. I think that USA Wrestling, and this is not to diss Yvonne, but I don't think any of them cared about the 2022 World Team. And actually, as bad as that sounds, it's not bad if you come out and say, look, it, this is why we decided to go in a different direction and everything else. We aren't thinking about 2022. We're thinking about 2023 qualifying and 2024 Paris and beyond. If you go ahead and you make a statement like that, Yeah, maybe not the guys on the current world team will like it, but everybody would be like, all right, well, fine. You know, like at least there's a there's some kind of a plan in place. But of course, yeah. 
that was not communicated well by anyone involved. And that is where a lot of the resentment and frustration came in. Now, I mean, look at that. That is what it is. Okay. I mean, this is at the end of the day, this is sports. Okay. It's sports. You know, there's, there's change. There's change in leadership. There's turnover. Coaches come and go. We all know that. In this case, it's just the timing. If you're going to do it with that kind of timing, you got to say something. You can't just do it and be like, okay, now everybody live with this. You know, like, I, I just think that's tough to kind of get away with. But it's, I, but it's our country. And, like, give the people something wrestling. to watch. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. Greco-Roman wrestling isn't a big enough priority for them to handle with kids' gloves. And maybe that's, you know what, for all intents and purposes, maybe that's the way to go. I don't know. It just didn't go over well with a bunch of people. And um, the world team having to kind of go through camp, a different sort of camp, and do things way differently than they had done before uh, to a man and all that. Like, I just, you know, I don't know, man. Like, it was a rough, rough, rough summer for most of those guys. A couple of them were pretty good about it, but, you know, most of them were actually pretty not. And um, that they can not upgrade as well as they did. I don't know what that speaks to, but they did. Uh, I mean, look at Braxton Amos on, you know, I don't want to say no preparation because he was preparing in Wisconsin before he came over to camp uh, later in the summer. But Braxton Amos goes and wrestles a dude from Ukraine in the first round of the tournament, who, to be honest with you, I figured was going to beat Braxton totally. I was, I mean, like I, I didn't think he was gonna maybe eight nothing him, but I figured he beat him. And yeah. uh, we're talking about Kaziak from uh, Ukraine, who had beaten Tracy at U23s a few years ago. And well, I mean, he beat Tracy, but that was a dodgy match. Tracy like had retaken, uh, reattacked on a couple of arm throws that he didn't get points for, and whatever. It was a badly officiated match, but still. You're looking at it, and Ukraine has improved since then, and Braxton doesn't have much experience wrestling uh, at the senior level, never mind the senior international level. And I'm just like, all right, well, look, at Braxton could win, but I'm expecting Ukraine to probably win. Well, not only did Braxton win, I mean, he virtually whitewashed that guy. And then he goes and loses to Kyrgyzstan in the next round, and I thought before the tournament that the guy uh, Braxton lost to was a potential like bronze medalist is the way I figured it might be in the mix for bronze. And and, and he was really almost. And so, like, in my mind, Braxton had a hell of a tournament. Yeah, no, he definitely did. And I think I, he's young. He's like super young, you know, yeah. and he's kind of like uh, kind of, he's kind of had like a little bit of similar same career as uh tracy like junior Bond. i think yeah give give braxton maybe maybe next year maybe two more years from now and i i think he he'll be getting closer or he'll be going for bronze or he'll be going for gold i mean how old is the kid he's like 22 21 braxton you know? might be 21 now maybe maybe 20 one yeah, 
I, I think that kid definitely wrestles 21, very, 21, yeah. Uh, he has the fight. Obviously, he just needs to get a little bit more Greco experience uh, under his belt. More. You can't teach competitor. You can't teach competitor. You can teach wrestler. You can't teach competitor. And he is a competitor. He, he definitely is. He definitely is. And I just think he just needs more competitions, more competitions, more overseas competitions. And obviously, you know, you see the, the style, or not the style, but the um, the kind of years that Tracy had. Like, I mean, he traveled a bunch. We saw him uh, at a lot of tournaments overseas. Um, you need that, you know. And that's something that, I mean, Lukita showed it. You know, with what he what he did with us is like that overseas competition is a necessity, man. It's a necessity because you wrestle the same guys in America. It's not that we're not good or anything. It's just that you start to know people's numbers. You know, now it turns into just to a tactic game and all this other stuff. But when you wrestle people that you you don't know that well uh, from different countries, different styles, you know, different this different arenas, being on the move, uh, eating food that is not custom what you typically eat, uh, being on the plane, getting off the plane, doing all that traveling, that's actually part of the competition. It's all part of the competition, man. Like, you know, getting off the plane, figuring out where you're going to go, where's everybody staying, getting to your room, not having – or getting that first workout in, knowing that you probably shouldn't go to bed, you at least should get like a minute pummeling or you might do a couple of sprints before you lay down to get your body adjusted for the next day getting up eating whatever food that they have downstairs or maybe are you going to bring your food uh, that you really want you know all of that stuff is part of the competition and when you don't experience that enough it hurts you Let me present you with uh, something everybody kind of talks about. Uh, just we don't talk about it a lot in front of people, but uh, it's a problem. It's a real problem. And that is the overseas component with how it relates to team selection. And here's what I mean. Now, Tracy, it didn't really matter. Uh, Tracy had distance between him and, you know, whoever his uh, chief rivals were in a given year. You know, um, you know, they might some of those matches were tough, tight matches, but Tracy was the number one guy going into those trials and he was the number one guy coming out of them each time. Yeah. Okay, And plus, you know, not to not to dis Tracy, but it's also different at upper weight than it is lightweight and middleweight, I would say too. It's a different it's a kind of a different animal the sport is. But um how I want to say this. Well, okay. You're talking about something that we all know is true, which is the United States needs more time on target with foreigners. However that has to happen, whether we go there or if we can return to a bygone era when we used to actually bring a bunch of them over here more often. But either way, the United States senior athletes in particular, at least as they pertain to this conversation, need more 
foreign training. Okay. And you're bringing up the other slice to that, which is, well, the traveling part of it and the, you know, the acclimation and the dieting part of it. It's all part of the competition. I, I'm sure that's true. But the issue is, is that we have excellent athletes in our country who do have the opportunity to travel and they do go to a few foreign camps a year and whatever, and it probably helps them. Let's just assume that it does. But then they come back to America for the, after a winter tour, let's say for the, uh, you know, the team selection season, as it were, which is, we'll say the open and the trials. And if there's a final X for us, for Greco, fantastic. We get to go in that and that's nice. But it's like, in order to make the team, the world team in the United States, you have to basically, by and large, I just want to see if you agree with this, because this seems to be a sentiment amongst uh, many of your contemporaries. In order to make the team, you have to wrestle the American style, basically. You have to wrestle a different style. Yes. One that you will actually wrestle at the world championships. Yes. Okay. That is accurate statement. That is an ac- very accurate statement. The way, and it's nothing against the rest or anything, but the way things are called here in America are very different than how they're called all oh, over the world. Oh, you mean here, Jamel, where they sometimes don't call passivity at all? <laughs> or they call it three times in a period when they're not supposed to. <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's called very different. They have more consistency with, obviously, freestyle because of everything that's going on. And, you know, it's just like, there's more of a backing. There's more people probably, the referees are probably watching and seeing how it's going. But for, <laughs> for Greco, there's no, there's consistency in the sense of like how it's going to be called in the States. But when you get overseas, it's a whole nother realm. It's like, oh man, like they actually gave me my points. I was like, yeah, that's right. And then you go to another tournament overseas. And it's like, oh, you start competing overseas. And you're like, yeah, I can do this. I can do that. And, you know, I'm going to be awarded for it. And then you come back home and they just call it a little bit different. But yes, there's this, there's a big inconsistency in the calling of American in America versus what you will get internet yeah. <laughs> there, there are like four good officials in the United States and two of them have the same last name which is Gessel um, every, it's just we're in a bad place in that and it affects everything about oh, it, I, I, I shouldn't say everything it affects a lot about our matches here I mean take this for instance more experienced guys it does take this for instance like there's been numerous times overseas where I wrestle, and uh, so I wrestle, I'm winning, I'm doing well, this and that. That's the first period. The second period comes because I'm doing well, you know, maybe I'm being a little bit more passive, this and that. And then I learned quickly that even if you were up 7-0 and you were being passive in the uh, second half, they will put you down. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, they will put you down. Regardless of who you are, what's what's going on, you're gonna go down. 
you know, because you have to show that, like, all right, you scored on your feet. We gave you the chance on top. You actually took that opportunity. Okay, now, second period, we see that you are now uh, not attacking as much. Okay, now this the other your opponent now has been awarded a passive. He's going to get a chance on top because you decided not to uh, continue to press your offense. Good to go. Okay, he scores a couple points. He's in reach of uh, possibly beating you, and we let you fight it out. In America, the way that goes is you could be up like, you know, 5-0, you know, and you're going into the second period, and you could be completely passive. And uh, they will absolutely not call you, the person who has the five <laughs> points, not call you, even though you're blatantly being passive. But the crazy thing is sometimes I feel like there's individuals that they will call uh, for passive, even though the match before that, they let something go 5-0 with the guy being passive the second period. And they're like, oh, yeah, it's that guy, you know. So, of course, you know, he's going to win anyway, so we're just going to let him, yeah, you know, fight on his yeah. feet. But a lot of matches where <laughs> even even I've done the same thing that that guy just did, and they're just like, because I'm seeing it, you know, I, I'm watching them wrestle, and I'm like, oh, they're letting people, you know, just chill out on the second period. I'm like, all right. And then I try to chill out on the second period. It's like, no, but you got to go down. I'm like, luckily, obviously, you know, I pulled it out, but I'm used to that. I'm used to, if I am passive, I'm going down the second period. I'm like, all right, there's no hard feelings there, but why'd you let that guy do it? Because of his name, because of this, it was like, no, you got to hold people accountable for it. And I think if they started doing that more, you know, I think Greco will have a different result, man. I think they'll have a different result, a lot of different results. Or people will start wrestling different, you know, because the referees dictate somewhat of how you wrestle because they're part. I mean, they're on the mat too. They're not wrestling obviously, but they're on the mat. They're calling things, saying things. So they they manipulate the mat to the match to some degree. And right now, I don't really favor the, the direction that they're kind of taking. <laughs> well, I mean, Jamel, the United States officials actually, if they were to ever realize this, the United States officials wield a hefty influence on our development. I mean, they are part of our program. Essentially, they are part of the program. Okay, like, a, I don't want to say 80, but like a giant percentage of our athletes, they learn how to compete in Greco-Roman matches based on how the matches are called here. So yes. it's part of their education. It's a part of their development. And then they go overseas for the first time and they're shell-shocked with how different everything is called. And it's yeah. like, that's a problem, bro. Like, that's not a small problem. That's a huge problem. And they don't realize it. And if they do realize it, they're not doing enough to address it. The officials right now have a weird thing with Greco because of the Joe Rao and John Stefanowicz stuff. I think, that's, I think there's still a hangover from that. Totally, I do. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. And there is. There's no doubt there is. Yeah. It may not, it might not be as white hot as it was, uh, let's say, a year ago, but it's still there's probably still some stuff there. And, you know, like it's it's there's a like almost like a division in a sense, between our program, the Greco program, and the United States Wrestling Officials Association, or wherever they call themselves. If anything, we kind of need to bridge that gap, and maybe, hopefully, you know, at least with those parties who are interested, like, improve it, if only because, like, they have a say in how well we develop. Yeah. If we were to ever take that on, they would have a say in how we develop, that doesn't mean that they, you know, should, you know, change how they go about educating themselves on the sport. I mean, they have a system of education, the officials do. Now, we can go ahead and quibble over whether or not it's uh, suitable, but they do have one. I mean, they have a grading system. They have all this stuff. But... It's not about just refing the matches and three-man mechanics and getting calls right. It's more than that. It's so much more than that. I mean, the rhythm is different here. The rhythm of a match is different here. Very different. Very, 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 very different. And I think, but see, us talking about this, and this is what goes through my mind, Timmy. Us talking about this. Right. We have all of these criticisms about, you know, how it should be, how and all this other stuff, just criticisms, just chalk it up to that. Now, I assume that some of these reps are going to listen and all this other stuff. And now it's going to it can do one or two things. It can hit them and they critique themselves and have a little bit of internal you know, investigation on like, yeah, you know, am I part of the problem? Am I not part of the problem? What could I do better? Or you can, they can receive the criticism and obviously make it work. You know, I'm a show them type of deal. And it, it, us talking about it made me, made me think about the criticism. And there's this quote that I have in my, um, we call it like a battle book. You just keep all the stuff that you need to do and whatever. It's just my battle book. But there's this quote in here from this colonel, uh, and it says, there's no progress without criticism. Every improvement is born of criticism. Curiosity leads to investigation, which opens discussion, which gives rise to opinion, which breeds criticism, which results in improvement. Colonel J.C. Birkenridge. 
1929 is when he was in. But it may be flipped to that because a lot of times people get butt hurt when, especially in this this era of civilization, if somebody has like some type of criticism about how you're doing stuff, and all it is is just a, it's just our opinion. You know what I'm saying? Like, and if it does hurt a little bit, maybe take a step back. I mean, I don't know. The way I grew up, and especially growing, uh, coming up under Lucidus, Lucidus definitely would criticize me so much. But like I said, you can either take it as like, all right, well, let me take a step back. And I hope that if they, all the referees, if they hear this or they listen to this podcast, it's not, we're not criticizing just to bash, but we're criticizing because we want more progress. And it doesn't need to be a tit for tat back and forth. But I'm going to show them how to do it or, you know, just, it's just a thought, man. Like, and everybody can improve. Like, our wrestling can improve. Our coaches can improve. Our uh, refereeing can be improved. And if we don't have that mindset, then you're not going to improve, you know? Like, you have to. You have to. Keep I don't ball. know. Jamel, I don't know. No. I mean, you're right. Don't get me wrong. You're 100% right. Um, you know, constructive criticism is valuable. I don't think there's a question about that, but I think that the, I'm not going to say all, but I think there's a, just a too high of a number of officials in our country who are just way too super sensitive and who are probably officiating for maybe not so awesome of a reason. I don't know. I mean, but there are some who are like extremely sensitive and sensitive isn't you know, let me not say it that way, because that makes it sound like sensitivity is a bad thing. It's not a bad thing necessarily. But, you know, Jamel, like here, first off, there's been a couple of there have been a couple of occasions where in over the course of the past, however many years in a five point move article, I've had to address something with officiating. OK, maybe a handful of times domestically and probably a little bit more often internationally. I've never, I don't think, just singled out an individual by name for a call that they've made. Okay, so like I'll give you an example. When I write a recap, a re, like a match description or whatever, when I write a recap, I don't put the officials' names in there, right? So like let's say it's Jamel Johnson versus Hayden Tuma, 2019, and let's say during that match uh, – there was uh, a call against you that was uh, not correct or a call against Tuma that was not correct. Like, there might be something that alludes to that literarily in the piece. You know, Tuma was called for a leg foul, um, even though, you know, replays were uh, upon on the challenge were inconclusive. You know, whatever it is, okay? But I don't usually make a habit of throwing an official under the bus on that. There have been a couple of times maybe where an official was mentioned for whatever reason, but it wasn't to bash him. There was, however, the incident, you know, not to, I don't want to put you in an awkward spot, but there was the whole Rao and Stefanowicz thing where I did an editorial and I didn't even mention the calls that everybody was, uh, the calls about which everybody were up in arms. Like I didn't yeah. like 
talk about the front headlocks or anything like that, or the uh, incorrect procedure of Rao getting put down on the um, caution in two. What all I did was mention how Jim Spielman lost his mind and started screaming and pointing and turning red when dealing with Joe on the mat, which to me was unprofessional conduct. Like it's not, I mean, you know what? Let me not say to me because it was unprofessional conduct. That's an objective statement. Out of all the wrestling matches I've ever seen in my entire life. And we're talking, we've seen footage of people breaking out nine millimeters at the Russian nationals. Okay. And I've never seen this kind of behavior. So I felt compelled if I'm going to write an editorial, which means that it's going to be written in prose, right? Right off the bat, that's what you know. It's going to be written in prose. It's definitely going to be my byline, okay? It's not going to be five-point move staff or something like that. It's going to have my name attached to it. Whatever you're going to read, as soon as you see my name next to it, it means you're free to call me out on it if you don't like it, okay? And I go, and I don't even remember what I wrote, but I wrote something, like about Spielman, whatever, you know, just behaving like a madman. And I did not even allude to any of the calls that were controversial. Okay. Yet, I know that didn't go down with a teaspoon of sugar for him. Yeah. Of, you know, back channels. And I also got messaged, direct messaged by a couple of, what we'll call prominent officials who took issue with what I wrote. Okay. So this wasn't even over a call. Now I get this was a high profile situation kind of, I get it, but like they were flipping out over that. What would have happened or what would happen if I do start publishing names of officials and their awful calls all the time, every time we have a tournament in this country, like they are too, uh, a lot of them too high strung and sensitive to address their deficiencies. Clearly they are. Cause if they weren't, they would have been like, ah, yeah, you know, uh, well, we kind of got this part wrong and he shouldn't have done this and that call was wrong. And yeah, this was the U.S. Open and only the round of 16. And I know that doesn't sound like a big deal, but it was a big deal to an athlete and we've got to get it right. Like Jamel. Here, I'm going to tell you something that I was not going to ever put publicly, but, you know, we're on a tangent, and so let's just go run with it. At the 2019 Raleigh Trials, which you won, okay? So I'm guessing you remember the tournament. Yep, very much sitting, so. <laughs> I was sitting next to Gary Mayab at the, like, you know, pseudo-head table. Gary Mayab is sitting to my left. He's about... I mean, sitting right next to me, but I'll give it 24 inches. And there's a referee who's who will remain nameless because that's the game I'll play for now, I guess. A referee had come over. And if you remember this tournament, there were a couple of matches that were just called so crazy that I, I can't even still three years later wrap my head around them. You know, Nick Tarpley yeah. versus Alex Mossing comes to mind. This referee comes over who knows Gary because Gary knows all the refs and tries to help him or whatever that case was. I don't know. And this ref says to Gary, he says, you know, pretty much verbatim. I think we've done an all right job at this tournament. We've got a couple of calls wrong, probably. But, you know, what can you do? Something like that. I I remember turning my head 
No, I'm normally look at I'm talkative now, but like in that kind of scenario, I'm usually like just a mouse. I'm quiet. I don't talk to you know, whatever. I remember turning my head so slowly to my left to like get a look at this guy. And I remember our eyes met kind of. And I remember I'm like, no big deal. This is guys careers. (laughs) This is their career. Some of them who made the semifinal tournament, never mind finals. Might never get to a world team trial semifinal ever again. Like, and it's like no big deal. Nah, what can you do? You know, are you serious? Like they trained all year for this just to hopefully have a chance to fight for a world team spot. Hopefully, maybe. And it's that's the attitude. Like, are you kidding me? Like if that were, you know, some, like marquee kind of freestyle tournament or freestyle match they were talking about. Do you think that would have been their attitude? No, no. But it's like, oh, you got a couple of calls. Oh yeah, what are you going to do? What are you going to do? Well, if it were me and I were an official, I'd probably try to improve. Crazy, dude. I mean, I even feel, I won't go into much detail, but I even feel like the matches that I had with Tuma were kind of ridiculous, you know, given the fact of, you know, how I was wrestling. And I, I don't, I don't think anybody knew, uh, then, but at that point, my freaking ribs were jacked. So messed up. So messed up. That's why I was like very limited on what I was like trying to do and what I executed on because I knew whatever I pulled the trigger on, it had to work. <laughs> it had to work because my ribs were so bad. They were so bad. But, uh, well, you got those guts. That was good for you. Yeah. Yeah, that stuff was good. But even even some of the calls that I, I got there, I was just like, what in the heck is going on here? But, you know, being in those situations time and time again in the wrestling room and recreating them and going through that and having that feeling of, like, yeah, whatever, it's a bad call. Um, and that's something crazy, right? Like, we practiced that. <laughs> we, like, he just literally made us practice. It was like, you could be doing great, and then, you know, he comes over doing, like, these scenarios where he's like, all right, lad, you're down. And he's like, oh, I scored. Or you could say you scored, and he's like, all right, well, you're going down. I'm like, what? But it's just that practice. Thankfully, I did have that practice. I didn't lose my mind. But, yeah, I mean, stuff like that is not acceptable, man. And these are people's careers. And even if they don't think it's as important because, you know, these guys aren't winning medals and stuff, like, they're pouring their hearts and souls into this stuff. And Greco is freaking hard, man. Like, you don't have a lot of people in Greco being repeat world champions, like, over and over and over and over and over and over again. Like, it's always a, a usher of a new guy, 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 a new guy. Yeah, and except at the upper weights, but yeah. Yeah, but... It's like ridiculous. Like, take the Egyptian dude, for uh, example. I forgot his name. Ibrahim, uh, whatever. I mean, he came in, like, world on fire, and now he's gone. And then, Oh, the Serbian who won at, I think it was, like, 63. Uh, oh, Sebastian Nod? Yeah, like, we. I remember uh, we flew him and a couple other guys from Serbia out for a training camp one time. Like, we just need to get better, man, as a whole, as a group. <laughs> As a, <laughs> what else can you say? We need to stop fighting each other and just get better as a group and understand that we're all in one fight, man. 
we're all in this together. <laughs> I should end it there because it's nice last words and everything like that. And I like to close strong, but um, uh, I got to mention Xavier. My guy. Let me tell you about your guy. <laughs> I remember last year you and Xavier wrestling the, um, what you call it, national final, right? Or was it 2020 or 20, or 21? It was 21, right? Uh, I don't know. Probably 21. Oh, my gosh. It, How do we not remember I, this? It's embarrassing. Uh, <laughs> so you wrestle Xavier in the national final. I remember talking to Xavier about it, and he told me that, and I mean, I'm talking to him, like, literally that night, okay? In fact, it was the, the night, yeah, because like, the, the finals were at whatever time in uh, Iowa or whatever, so... Yeah. You know, I do. I just have to get a couple quotes from him from the for the recap and stuff. And I remember him telling me that um, before the final against you, that like, you know, he was like super kind of like, I guess, like weird out and nervous about it or whatever. And that you were the one who calmed him down. <laughs> <laughs> For me, even though I lost, obviously he decked me like thirty seconds. Uh, I guess being on the Marine Corps team, man, like obviously we fight every day, but at the same time, I I want to beat him when he's at his best, you know. And there's no quarrels about it. There's no, you know, he doesn't walk away from it thinking, you know, this or that. Or I went into it this way. I went into it that way, and. I can't remember what I said but, uh, before we wrestled, but I know we uh, we talked a little bit in the bed over, and I was ready, and he was like, yeah, man, yeah, yeah, I'm ready. I was like, I mean, it's, it's, like, it's just like in the wrestling room, man. We, we're just going to wrestle, we're going to knock it out, and whoever wins, wins, and then we're going to have fun afterwards. So I was like, it's no, it's no sweat off my back, but... At no point, I mean, if he wasn't, if he wasn't my teammate, obviously I wouldn't I talk to him that way. Uh, it would be a whole different uh, ordeal. But, of course, I always want to see him compete at his best. And especially if I'm competing at with him, I want him to compete at his best. And if I beat him, I want to beat him at his best. I mean, take this for an instance, right? So you brought up the World Team Trials. I remember, I vividly remember going into my second match with Tuma. And I saw that he had on the wrong singlet. I don't know if you remember, uh, they had called him out. It came out wrong singlet. Dude. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying. That uh, That's what I'm trying to juxtapose the two. Like, that situation, I was like, yeah, buddy, uh, I'm going to let you drown on this. <laughs> you know what I'm <laughs> I was like, hey, man, like, we're fighting. You're not my teammate. You're just an opponent. And I was like, that's kind of how it is. Like, I'm going to let you go out there in the wrong singlet. And I already changed my singlet. But, you know, I had to get into his OODA loop a little bit. But for Xavier, that's my brother, man. If I'm going to beat him, I want him, to be, I want him to be his best. I definitely want to beat him at his best. But And he, he bested me, and he deserved it, and he deserved every bit of that win. Of course, you know. Oh, nobody cares about the match, Jamel. I'm just talking about the fact that, like, you had a moment before it, and like, you calmed him down. <laughs> that's. I mean, I mean, that's that's my brother. I'm, I'm always have his back. Been an absolute shame if he couldn't continue his career as an athlete uh, 
over all this stuff with the Marine team and everything like that. Like, I mean, as soon as we all knew that was going to happen, like, I mean, that was, he was one of the principal names we all talked about. Like, oh man, well, Xavier at the time was only 25. And, um, you know, I think now he's 27 because his birthday's July 3, right? So, um, yeah. I don't know. Like, I mean, how's that, how is that for you? Like, I mean, your conversations with him and stuff like that, insofar as like you, all right, now look, you're different because you have had a very long, close relationship with Lukitas. And so, like, you coming from the Army to the Marine team is not the same as, like, somebody else doing that. Like, that's you and Jason. You're, like, you know, it's like a fatherly type of mentally kind of relationship. So, like, you going over to the Marines from Army with Lakita there isn't the same thing as somebody just leaving a team and going somewhere else. I mean, you also had to, like, take a year off to, like, you know, do the military thing all over again and everything. But... Yeah. It's you went from Army to Marines, and Xavier's gone from Marines to Army. So and there's a little bit of synchronicity there, I guess. That room, the Army room, is different in scope from when you were there. I mean, when you were there, there were obviously some really good lightweight athletes. But now, I mean, Army's just, like, operating like the George Steinbrenner era Yankees, where they're just gobbling everybody up practically and that room looks entirely different now i mean they're just completely fully loaded everywhere at least particularly in the lighter weight classes what have you been talking about with him as like this so far as this transition and all that other stuff and him being settled and i guess sooner rather than later we're going to see him wearing a w cap singlet yeah black and gold i guess but no i we talk we still talk obviously we're very close but i just there's certain values and there's certain mindsets that the Marine Corps, that Jason, and that him and I operate by, right? And I just, you know, on those phone calls, I just try to make sure that he's still operating by those same values and that he's still, you know, thinking the same. Because, you know, I tell him, like, you're there for a reason and you know, remember why, remember how you got there, remember the things that you had to do, remember the stuff that you didn't want to do that you did. And yes, it's a, definitely a different environment for him. And he spoke to me about it. Uh, it's going to be an adjustment, but I think that he's going to adjust well, regardless. And I'm definitely not going to let him go into that adjustment alone. Like once he starts competing, I'm pretty sure we'll talk a little bit more often, of course. But right now he's just training, uh, taking care of his family, uh, staying healthy, getting to where he needs to be uh, weight-wise and stuff like that. But when he's pretty sure we'll talk more just to make sure that he stays on track. You know, he has a strong relationship with Lucidus as well. But I think he's going to do well. I think he's definitely going to do well over there. The biggest thing was, to be honest with you, was just, was getting this guy to go wrestle. <laughs> At first, uh, he was talking about it. He was like, nah, man, I'm done. I was like, no, you're not. You better get out of here. I was like, you're, you're going to keep wrestling. And he's like, nah, I think I think I got to hang it up, man. The Marine Corps is hanging it up. I'm hanging it up. I was like, no, you're not. No, you're not. That's insanity. Yeah. Yeah. That was just that tribalism, you know, mindset. It was like, I'm a Marine, man. I'm a Marine. But I told him, I was like, hey, man, we're all in this fight together. Like, 
obviously the army has a team. We don't have a team and you need to keep wrestling. Like you literally just started not that long ago. You have a lot of success. Uh, you have a lot to give to the sport. You have a lot to give to everyone. I was like, you, you need to keep wrestling. And I'm glad you made that decision to, uh, to keep wrestling over there. I like the loyalty. I like the tribalism, if anything, in that case. I don't know, man. I mean, he's, he's 27 now. The idea of, like, having that much time left f- for a guy who's just starting to scratch the surface like that would have been a rough one to, you know, like he would have been rough to, to, if he had, it would have been rough if he had stopped. Like, I mean, look, I, I enjoy Xavier quite a bit myself and stuff, but just from the outside looking in, you, we just talked about it a little while ago. It's like, I I don't tolerate well people walking away when like I'm convinced they have some more left. Um, just not. You know what, Xavier is like the perfect like case of this is why Greco-Roman wrestling proves the theorem that not everyone is just one kind of wrestler. You know, some guys were are just they have an inclination or predisposition towards Greco. And so just another symptom of how broken our wrestling is in this country. It's like not everybody was cut out for folk style. They're just not just like not everybody's cut out for Greco. Like this kid guy is a Greco Roman wrestler. That's what he is. You know, I I mean, I get that. He, you know, wrestled when he was younger in high school and blah, 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 whatever. He comes to the Marines. He becomes a Greco Roman wrestler full time. You look at the way he wrestles and it's like, yeah, he should have been doing this the entire time. Entire time. You know, and then that's, Jamel, you know what, to be fair about it, that's why going back to the retirement talk, like I get it, your situation's a little bit different. Okay. Like you're tied into different things and you're an officer in the military. But like, look at it this way. Our country, for some reason or another, believes that we are so good. Okay. We have some delusional thing going on in our nation to where we think we're so good that when a guy reaches between the ages of, let's say, 29 and 34, they figure they need to stop competing. And in fact, our program will show them that. Even if you're still national team quality, let's say, it's like, okay, well, even if it's like this subtle ushering out the door, you know, it's like an undercover exit strategy. It's like, oh, well, now you're going to start getting invited to less opportunities. Maybe you're not going to be put on this tour. Maybe you're not going to get this trip. Maybe you're not going to be invited out to this camp. Like we send like these subtle signals to like let you know when you're like of that age. And if you're not a current world team member or returning world team member, it's like eh, maybe you need to kind of start, you know, planning your exit here. Like we do that. We do it really subtly, but we do it. Meanwhile, in our country, most guys who like wrestle Greco-Roman – not most guys, 99.9% of them, didn't start really wrestling Greco-Roman until they were, what, 21, 22 at the earliest, really, kind of, sort of, aside from Northern Michigan guys. And then, and then, look, we're not even ready to compete. We're not ready to compete for a medal, like, historically, until we're in our late 20s. No, 100%. I think, I think that's an accurate observation of, you know, the way – the way Greco goes, like you start late, 
and like you said, if you're not killing it while you're young, then it's like, oh, okay. Then you start getting a little bit older. I'm like, all right, we're looking for some new guy to to start wrestling Greco year one and by year two or three win a, win a medal. But in all actuality, you're going to need probably, you know, four to four to six years to po- possibly get that person in the ring to achieve to grab one of those medals. So, I mean, we're just a folk style country you know, or a freestyle country, which obviously goes into uh, folk style and no shot at flow wrestling, but there is tailored towards freestyle folk style, you know? And of course, yeah, they throw a little highlight out there every now and then for Greco. Um, but that's just not what America wants to see. And I mean, that's their job is to make sure that, you know, they're pushing what the people want to see. And America wants to see freestyle. America wants to see folk style. They don't want to really see Greco. I mean, they like our throws and stuff when we do them. But other than that, like no kid is really pushed to do uh, any type of Greco. The most of the, I think, I can't remember that coach's name that they always have on flow, but most of that stuff is tailored towards um, freestyle, like doing shots and doing stuff, which obviously uh, that match that Yanni had, did he get arm throws or it was some? I, I didn't watch. Cool. I'm not trying to sound like Mr. Greco guy, but I did not watch any uh, freestyle from the World Championships at all. Oh, it was Gilman. I, I watched. Yeah, yeah, I watched the freestyle, but it was Gilman. Uh, he got like arm throws, but in freestyle. But that's Greco is obviously, obviously lacking in this country, even within the freestyle realm and. You can do body locks. You can do arm throws. You can do all the stuff you do in Greco in freestyle. Obviously, you can't do everything that you do in freestyle in Greco. It doesn't work that way. You can't grab the legs. But freestyle in from well, and I think those two need to start merging a little bit more. I'll even give another example. Um, J.O. was wrestling at the Final X uh, this year. and they had- Zane Rutherford? Yeah, 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 and they were on the um, they were on the edge or whatever, uh, in a, like a body lock position, and you could tell that neither one of them have been very familiar with that position. Which, you know, in return, the freestylers, of course, you know, maybe not that much uh, experience in that position. But I'm pretty sure if you get a foreign freestyler in that body lock position. I am 80% sure that they know how to correctly, you know, execute a body lock. I remember I had a talk with Yvonne um, in 2016, and that was uh, right when they had taken Force Parterre out of the rules for that one season, that season you were away. Yeah. And um, I was on the phone with Yvonne one night and he was talking about, and it was like midway through that season. And I remember him saying how he was enjoying watching freestyle more because in freestyle, they were actually hitting more Greco techniques than they were in Greco. And he was, to be honest with you, he was right. Cause that year for Greco was not fantastic. As far as action goes, when they took Parterre out and everybody was just playing for passives and, you know, it wasn't, friendly uh fan friendly kind of uh <clears throat> sport at all but yeah, yeah the, that's in their foreigner skill set they know how to do this stuff that's because they grow up doing it 
Yes. Jamel, you know that in a lot of these countries, I mean, you've traveled the world, you know that in a lot of these countries, freestyle is their JV, right? Yeah, I mean, Norway doesn't even have a men's freestyle. All all countries don't even have a uh, men's freestyle. Yeah, and a lot of a lot of countries don't have men freestyle. <laughs> yeah, and even because if they it's, do, it's just for domestics. They don't send them to worlds. Yeah, it's predominantly. I mean, Greco is, I think, the majority of uh, most nations, at least for the male aspect. Obviously, it is. It's the most. It's the more participated style. It's. It's. It is all the time. Always has been. Always will be. Probably. Uh, yeah. Even though they're trying to dodge it away for beach. Yeah, they're probably. I mean, at some point, they're they might push it over to that point. Uh, I've had a couple talks with people about it, but I mean, I hope they don't. I really hope they don't. I think the only person, the first country that will probably get rid of Greco. It's probably going to be America. <laughs> no, well, maybe. I always think that, but, you know, the thing is, is that if there's any proof that that's not an imminent worry, it's that USA Wrestling just invested in a position that has never existed before in the organization, which is general manager of a particular style. And so there's going to be that, and there are going, now we're going to have an OTC, a new OTC coach, and... Um, you know, USA Wrestling has to sell memberships, man, and they sell memberships for Fargo, and maybe Fargo Greco doesn't get as much as Fargo Freestyle, but still gets a lot of Greco. So um, you got that, you got their state qualifiers, you got all this sanctioning stuff intertwined with all of it. They make a little bit of money just by Greco kind of being a thing here. Um, I don't think they'd want to kiss goodbye to that but i mean then again who knows i had the guy tell me one time that he knew for a fact that usa wrestling had petitioned uww to get rid of greco and i laughed my head off over it because that's just a ludicrous notion it's like yeah okay right i mean that's the the worry isn't greco going away the worry is whether or not the ioc would consider beach a more viable option over greco for the olympic curriculum as far as viewership now, thus far, nobody cares about Beach and nobody watches it. But I can see the argument insofar as, like, just imagine it. Imagine not being a Greco uh, competitor. Imagine not being a high-level Greco competitor. Imagine just being Jamel Johnson, who, you know, you wrestled a little Greco when you were age group, but, you know, now you're just in the Marines and you're just a family guy and that's it. Can you picture watching beach wrestling on, let's say, during the Olympics on NBC and thinking it's like something to watch? Because I, I mean, I, you know, I don't mean to lead you, but I, I certainly can. Like if you saw two people wrestling on a beach that's an Olympic sport, you'd probably pay attention to it. And I think they're gambling, the people who are behind beach, they're, I shouldn't say they're gambling, but they're putting all of their eggs in that basket thinking that like, it would present better on television. And that's why they think the idea of that's one reason why they think the idea of beach getting into the Olympic curriculum and perhaps nudging Greco out of the way is plausible because they think it'll look better and present well and maybe attract more casual viewers than Greco would. And to be honest with you, as much as I hate to admit it, I can almost see why they would think that because sometimes these matches at the Olympics, especially the past two, are abhorrent 
You know, like, especially when we're talking about the upper weights, especially when we're talking about heavyweight, for crying out loud. I mean, I mean, Lopez, he wrestles. I mean, even even as at his advanced age, he still wrestles. But like Riza just won title number five. And, you know, all power to him. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer and everything like that. But he's absolutely oh, he's the worst advertisement for Greco you can have. I mean, yeah. there's a match that he's ever wrestled, even dating back to when he was a junior, that is, like, worth watching. Like, I mean, he does the bare minimum nothing. You know, like, just nothing. And, like, we get that from 87 up a lot of times. Or 85 kilos, or 84 kilos, or whatever. Like, we get that. Like, it's, you know, there's not a lot of action in those upper weights, and it's the weirdest thing, dude, because it's like in other combat sports, you know, think of MMA, think of boxing. I think of boxing first. It's like the heavyweights. Like, you know, those are that's the weight class that everybody cares about, the heavyweight champion of the world. In wrestling, especially Greco, it's like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, nobody really looks at the heavyweight champion, you know, too much. Unless you're like Lopez or Corellin. You know, and those guys were freaking freaks of nature. <laughs> freaks of nature. But Lopez being tabbed as the best wrestler ever, to me, is so ridiculous and hilarious and equally off-putting. Like, that, I, I have trouble even intimating that in, like, a clear way. What? Seriously? A heavyweight is not the best wrestler in history. That's just not how it goes. Lopez might be the most decorated wrestler in history, and he might have oh, I, titles. It's easy for you. I see uh, what you're saying. I, no, I, he's number. not the best wrestler. There's about 14 million other wrestlers who have passed by throughout the annals of time in this sport who are way more technically advanced and sharper and more enjoyable to watch than Lopez was on his best day. Okay. Like, the idea that a heavyweight who, like, an, uh, you know, and don't get me wrong, he's a heavyweight who wrestled, and so is Corellin. He was a heavyweight, he had reverse lift, and nobody had ever seen a guy like that reverse lift other heavyweights and blah, 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 blah. But, like, I'm somebody who, like, thinks of pound, to p- pound for pound, you know? Like, pound for pound. Like, are you the best wrestler in this sport right now? No. Or are you the yeah. best wrestler pound for pound in the history of this sport? No. Are you nuts? Are you serious? Yeah. If if Mijan Lopez and Armin Nazarian were the same weight class, you're going to tell me Lopez would beat Armin Nazarian? Nazarian? No. Double call him? No way. What do you? You'd have to be high as all get out to think that. You're but, talking about a, like you know do the the full spectrum of wrestling. You're saying that's that's why you're saying he's not the best. Not. Not the best because of his accolades. Uh, it's because he's not the best because uh, of his abilities. Like exactly. what he's capable of doing. Yes, nobody's taking away his plaques and trophies and medals. Nobody's doing that. He can have them. The idea is the best wrestler in history. You got, you got, I don't know. You're going to be on Quaaludes. Like, <laughs> People, Nazarian for me is the best. I get, I get arguments about Nazarian. To me, Nazarian's the best I've ever seen. But there's plenty of others. No, I, I get what you're saying. You're saying like it's not about it's not about how many plaques you got. 
It's about your abilities and what you can do with those abilities and how much of a show you can make it. And, you know, you're doing throws and you're doing arm throws and you're doing body locks and you're doing first lift. Well, and- yeah, but you also have to qualify that with a certain degree of success. I mean, Nazarian's a multi-time world Olympic champion. I mean, yeah. um, it's not like he has one world title and one Olympic title and like, you know, managed to place at the Euros a few times. I mean, he's a Hall of Famer. Whatever. Anyway. All right. All right. Do you have any parting shots until we meet again? Uh, no. But off the record, I mean, I could talk to you later about <laughs> stuff that you were so upset about. Oh, my about. goodness. Yeah. Okay. Well, we could go ahead and do that, I guess. And that was Captain Jamel Johnson of the All-Marine Wrestling Team. Uh, Jamel, what can you say? I mean, he's one of the smartest thoughtful people I've, you know, I've gotten the uh, privilege to call a friend, and he's a fantastic friend, just fantastic wrestler, but fantastic friend, and yeah, I hadn't talked to him, and since I hadn't talked to him in a little while, and I wanted to keep his name out in the ether, so to speak, I just felt like this was the perfect excuse to do that, and and his perspectives are quite very valuable, so uh, and he didn't have anything nuts to tell me uh, off the record. I just kept that in the audio uh, just because it just, I don't know, flowed nicely. Uh, and that side of the audio, my side of the audio in the Jamel segment, not great. And that's because I made a technical miscue, as is custom, I would say. Jamel, just awesome. And, you know, I hate to see athletes walk away from competing. I just, I'll go over that another time in depth, perhaps. But just, you know, I'm sensitive to it probably oversensitive to it. And, uh, you know, Jamel thinks that he's probably winding down and, and even sadder is he's not alone. He's not alone. If you look around the U S program, there's that, uh, Parker, Parker bets the Sweden trip coming up. Jamel and I recorded this a couple weeks ago. Today's October 25 or 26, either or. And so the Sweden tour begins this coming weekend for the United States, and that's uh, it's an age group tour, basically. And it's important, super important this year because it's been a few years. We haven't sent age groupers to Sweden on this tour since 2019. So I'm really looking forward to it. This is a big opportunity for some of our younger athletes, and it feels normal. Just it, it feels good. It feels normal, and hopefully it's a fruitful experience for all involved. Lucas Stelt, of course, he deserves a ton of credit because he – quarterbacks a lot of this stuff and if anybody knows who lucas is they uh should know that he's nuts believes kids should start converting over to greco shortly after arriving home from the hospital post delivery but nevertheless uh he he really works hard to get kids these opportunities and rob herman's the one who when he was the head coach of northern michigan he was the one who made this an annual thing and so Rob Herman deserves deserves all the credit, if anything, for getting this off the ground. So there we are. Uh, other topics. Might as well cover some bases here. Uh, the U23 World Championships just uh, took place last week. And what can you say? Well, I can, I can tell you what you might be able to say if uh, you pay close enough attention. The United States program just doesn't understand U23. And since U23 is a world tournament, which began in 2017, the age category began in 2015 with the U23 Europeans, if I'm not mistaken. But the United States, and when I say the United States, I don't necessarily mean one thing or the other. 
you could take that as USA Wrestling. You could take that as the national program, the Greco program. It's really more USA Wrestling than anything else. But I would ar- almost argue that the Greco program has tried to make an effort. I mean, even that procedural change this year was a great one where if you were a runner-up at the World Team Trials on the senior level, but you were U23 eligible, you get the U23 spot if you so wanted it. Basically, that's what the procedure was. And that was a great idea. But the United States as a whole, the system, the program, does not understand U23. Apparently does not understand U23. And the reason why you know that is because... Once these teams are selected, they treat them like they're the cadet or junior world teams. And that is not a diss or a slight to either the U20 or U17 athletes by any stretch. That's not how I mean it. But there are different challenges involved with U17 and U20. U17, it's obviously, it's not only their scholastic endeavors, it is also what they're doing over the summer and their kids, their teenagers and it's tough to manage that and centralize them and whatever. I get that. And it's not too different at junior, except in some cases you got athletes who might just be early on in college and you got to coordinate with their coaches, their club coaches, their parents, you know, and it, well, I mean, obviously you got to do the same thing as cadet, but here, U23, this is senior level. Okay. U23 is basically the senior level. And I don't want to hear that it's, you know, well, it's technically still an age group. Yeah, okay, fine. Because as a U in it, we can go that direction. But the rest of the world looks at U23 as really important. We do not. We treat it like as if it's the cadet or junior world team where we're going to give you a volunteer coach or something. And then what we're going to do is maybe, maybe, maybe you have a week-long camp somewhere. Okay. Now, I get it. This U.S. roster was terrific, and there were two senior world team members, obviously, Benji Peak and Colton Schultz. You have Britton Holmes on the team, and he's a full-time athlete. Most of them are full-time athletes, really. Uh, the only one who you could say ha- hadn't been one is Michael Foy, and all well, Moomy, I suppose. I wouldn't want to say that about Omanya, because Omanya is a Greco guy who happens to go to college. You could really say almost the same thing about Colton. And Omanya, by the way, looked fantastic at U23 physically, his timing, his explosiveness. Even the match he lost to Japan was really entertaining. He didn't know if he was going to go on a, you know, a run of seven unanswered points and wind up getting back into that thing. But I digress. Anyway, so if we are going to continue to do the same thing on a yearly basis, we can't expect a different result at U23. You have to prioritize U23 some way, somehow, on the same wavelength as senior. Got to do it. Figure it out. Look at their challenges involved with it. It's not easy because not everybody comes from the same facility. Not everybody is out of college. Some of these guys on a yearly basis might be in a different college or they, whatever. And uh, there's funding concerns, of course, with the U23 team compared to senior. Somebody needs somebody. Like it's one person. I always assume any room I walk into, then I'm not the smartest one. So let's go ahead and take that assumption and superimpose it onto the U.S. program and figure that there are people smarter than I, I'm sure there are, who can get together and hammer this out, If they, if they, at least if they want to improve U.S. performance at U23. Because you know what? And I look at I know this sounds like a crutch. It's not the athletes. It's not. It's not. I mean, yeah, okay, Mason, Harshorn, and Omania had the opportunity to go overseas for a couple weeks or barely uh, before U23 Worlds when they were in Denmark. And 
Benji Peak and Colton Schultz were both on the senior world team, and Colton had gotten a little time overseas earlier this year as well. But who else on this U23 team had any discernible time overseas this past season? Who? It's a really easy answer. Really super easy answer. Anyway, so that's the point. It's just a, the U.S. needs to step it up if they want. This matters to them. If this matters to them, somebody needs to start figuring out because it's that serious. We have a situation in the United States where a lot of the best juniors in the world would beat our seniors. So if that's going to be true, which it is, what do you think is going to happen to our athletes at U23? Priorities need to change. We have to start reconsidering how we are putting together our training plans for these world tournaments, particularly at U23. We are better at senior than we are U23. That's not the athletes, because a lot of our best athletes are in that age range. But the United States is not performing at U23. Well, why is it? Well, it doesn't help that their own program sees it as uh, an extracurricular. So if your priorities don't change, don't expect a different result. That's all I can tell you. Um, what's coming up next? What's coming up next is the New York Athletic Club Bill Farrell Memorial Tournament. That's in a couple of weeks in, obviously, New York, Central Park South. We uh, want to drill that down. Maybe Haparanda Cup towards the end of uh, November, early December, and then a week later, Havisto Cup. But we really don't know what's going on with that. That's usually the two year-end back-to-back tournaments. There are athletes who are interested, but there's a lot of stuff kind of going on. All right, let's talk about the coaching situation really fast, why don't we? Contrary to what Jamel and I were talking about, which, as I said, was recorded actually a couple of weeks ago before some of this stuff came down, there will not be a new national team head coach. Why is that? Well, that is because the United States already has a national team coach, and his name is Ivan Ivanov. And we can go into why that is. The structural change, I imagine just basically how it's working, is that Ivan will retain you know, the same level of autonomy he had enjoyed under the general manager tag. But Ivan, for all intents and purposes, is the national team coach, which is why their USA Wrestling is only hiring for the Olympic training resident head coach and developmental national coach. Look, this is an uncomfortable situation. Uh, for me, it is. Not that that matters to you, but it is for me. Because I have a handful of really good friends, close friends, who are all applying for some of this stuff. And, you know, it's just uh, it's a situation, I guess. But not necessarily a bad one. It's just, it's you know, sometimes it's just a little uncomfortable. Here's what I will say. And I don't even mean this disrespectfully to USA Wrestling. I keep having to say I don't mean this this way with any kind of hostility. If it comes out that way, uh, it's just it's how it comes out. But USA Wrestling needs to stay out of the hiring process. I understand that it's their organization. I know quite very well the main cogs who operate the machine, but they need to stay out of it. Okay, you hired Ivan Ivanov. The analogy I've been using is you gave him the keys, you gave him the car, and now you need to let him ride it around the block a few times at least. This cannot work. When I say this, it means Yvonne. Cannot work unless the support network alongside him or underneath him or whatever prepositional phrase you need to use cannot work unless those with him come from his system, know him, intimately well, I would say, can interpret and manage his methods and vision. They need to be able to absorb and then translate 
what he wants to what is, in fact, a younger athlete base in this country. They have to be Yvonne guys. That's the sticking point. We all need to come to that realization. This cannot be a situation to where we are going to put in there retired wrestler John Doe who did this, this, and this and kind of has been coaching for a while. These two roles, these two roles, which in order would be Olympic Training Center resident coach and developmental national coach or whatever the amalgamation of those words are, they have to be Ivan Ivanov athletes. Wrestlers who came up under Yvonne. It has to be that way. Thankfully, we actually have athletes who competed under Yvonne, who learned basically everything they know from him, who are coaches. So this could work out if USA Wrestling stays out of it. There are good, solid coaching candidates who have applied for this, who aren't Yvonne guys, and this ain't a fit for them. It is not a fit for them. It's not a fit for them personally, professionally, and it is not a fit for the Greco program right now. When USA Wrestling hired Yvonne, they were getting the full package. Okay, this is what you were getting. He wants to roll out an entirely new plan, an entirely new structure and way of doing things, and you have to embrace it because that's what you agreed on when you hired him. Putting people in there, shuffling pieces around, you know, because you want to hire this coach and that coach because they have some good scholastic uh, folk style connections or whatever. Won't work. Will not work. And then you're going to set the Greco program back even further. So if there's anything I need to say about that, don't sabotage Yvonne. Otherwise, all of this has been in vain. This summer, the stuff with Matt Lindland getting let go, all of it. It will have all been in vain. Let Yvonne run the Greco program. This is not an ego game. Let him run the program. Let him hire the people underneath him. And let's maybe move on and see what this looks like if he is given a fair chance. Social media concerns. All right, there's only a couple. Uh, Jamel Johnson, Instagram. Junior Johns 7. It's really J.R. Johns 7. J.R. is Jamel R. Jamel's initials. Jamel Rashid Johnson. I don't know what the 7 means, but J.R. John's seven. Parker Betts. Parker Betts is on Instagram as well. You know, he's got the most adorable. He's got the most adorable screen name. Is that what they're called? Screen names? Are they still? Anyway, Jurassic Parker 130. Jurassic Parker 130. On Twitter, I believe it's Jurassic Parker B. I'm not going to look it up because everybody's all hot and bothered with Instagram lately. So we'll just stick with that. Uh, Dennis Hall. Dennis Hall was not involved in this episode more because of me than him, even though he is a busy person, busy little individual over there at the University of Dubuque, helping guys adjust their headgears and put on anklets. And I'm only teasing, of course. But yeah, uh, Hall at the University of Dubuque, uh, assistant coaching with his buddy, uh, John McGovern. So uh, Hall still be involved. He'll probably be back in the next episode. Then again, I keep saying that he'll be back in the next episode and then he's not. But uh, he will be. Um, and if you want to follow Dennis Hall on Twitter, you may do so at Dennis Hall WGW. And for USA Greco-Roman news and athlete perspectives, please go to 5pointmove.com and follow along on Twitter at 5, the number 5 PC Move. That's it for episode 53, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you soon.